Hello and welcome to episode 76 of React Native Radio. I'm your host, Nader Dabit. Today on our panel, we have Peter Pykarczyk. Hey, everybody. And our special guest is Nofal Caldon, and we've had him on the show about a year ago, and um, we're welcoming him back to the show. So welcome back, Nofal. Thanks, Nader. Hi, everyone. So um, the topic for this show today is going to be basically payment processing. Um, Nofal has created a pretty nice payment library that's uh, you know specifically for React Native. We're going to kind of talk about that. We're also going to kind of talk about you know how it's implemented, but also you know what other options are out there. And then if you just basically want to take payments in React Native, like what are the concerns and what are the options? So um, Nofal, since you've already I guess been on the show um, and you've given an intro, I think about how you got into programming. Can you kind of just give us maybe a more up to date intro, like what you're doing right now, where you're working, and um, and then we can get into the topic after that. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm originally from Montreal, and I moved to the Bay Area about maybe eight to nine months ago um, to join Netflix, where um, I work as a senior UI engineer. Uh, there, I spent a lot of my time working on payments uh, cross platforms, so on iOS, Android, TV, and um, and web, and so. Prior to that, I was doing a lot of open source work for React Native, and I sort of like naturally fell into like this library because I was, I was solving payment problems at work, and I was doing a lot of React Native work. And so when I put the two together, uh, that's sort of how I came up with React Native payments. So to be clear, you're you're not doing this exact React Native work at Netflix. You're doing more just like native and web, and then you kind of took that and you made React Native, or you're actually using React Native at Netflix. Yeah, no. So we we were experimenting with React Native a little bit, uh, like over the past year. We haven't done anything payment related at the moment. But I was working on another project uh, called, uh, well, another project using the Payment Request API, which is a new payment uh, a payment. It's a new payment API for the web. And so as I was working um, on this project, I started thinking back uh, at a module that I started for a different one called React Native Apple Pay. It was just this like wrapper around the Apple Pay API. And I was never really happy with the with the API that I came up with, um, and I wasn't really I wasn't ready to release it. Like it was it was in beta, incomplete in beta for like over a year. Uh, and so when I started working uh, on this payment request API project for the web, um, I started seeing like a lot of similarities between um, the payment request API for the web and what I had done with Apple Pay. And so I wondered if I could apply that API um, as an interface to interact with. Apple Pay, and that's sort of how I came up with it. So the React Native, I guess, uh, is like the, the React Native module, is it like a wrapper around the payment request API? Yeah, so it's essentially a polyfill for the payment request API, um, the exact same API that you would use on the web or that's slowly getting released across uh, different browsers. Uh, so it allows you to use that exact same API uh, to uh, use um, Apple Pay. So to then charge your customers with Apple Pay, present the Apple Pay dialog, um, present shipping options, shipping methods, uh, and update them on the fly. So is this so? This is like a new web API that's kind of being uh, you know delivered across all the different browsers right now. Yeah, that's right. So this, uh, I think they started working on uh, payment request API maybe a few years ago. I'm not sure exactly when, uh, but it rolled out in Chrome uh, for Android on, I think, version 39. Um, and shortly after that, Edge integrated it. Um, and it's actually coming out, uh, it's actually coming to Chrome 61, which 
if it's not out yet, it should be coming out within within the next week or so. Um, and I know Firefox is on board too. They just released uh, kind of a, I think it was a screenshot of what it's going to look like. And the latest version of, I think the Safari, Safari de- developer build, I'm not sure exactly what it's called, so the, or maybe the nightly version. Uh, there's actually uh, an experimental flag to turn it on there. Uh, so yeah, within, I'd, I'd say by the end of the year, maybe early next year, it should be in all the, the major modern browsers. So what was the reason for the payment request API? Was it, were they just trying to create like a really nice, consistent way for people to be able to accept payments over the web, whereas there wasn't one before? Yeah, so there's actually a great talk by um, Zach Koch, I think the last name is pronounced. Uh, he's, a, he's a project manager at Google, um, on Google Chrome. Um, and the, the way he put it was, we should look at payment requests as like, uh, kind of like the next version of autofill, right? Uh, so what it's doing is it's essentially taking the credit cards that you already have saved in your browsers, um, so the like the ones that you would use if you're if you're going through a checkout form and then you kind of hit autofill and then you know it would fill out all the inputs with your credit card data. Uh, so it's taking those same credit cards, um, but instead of filling a form, uh, developers can request that that data in a, in a beautiful object, right? And so what the user sees is like a nice payment sheet that comes up uh, that summarizes the items that you're going to be charged for in, a, in the total amount, uh, and then beneath that you can select one of the credit cards that you have saved. Uh, in your in, in your browser, and when you hit the pay button, it's actually only taking uh, it's, it's it's taking that save card and it's sending it over to the to to the developer all via JavaScript. Um, at which point, uh, the developer can make you know an API call to their backend, uh, charge the customer, and then uh, oh, nice. message. That makes so much sense now. And I guess um, with with what you've done with React Native, have you integrated any of these like? Other backend solutions, as far as like, um, I don't know, PayPal or whatever, Stripe and those types of things. Or so the first version that I uh, that I released didn't have support for any payment processors. Um, it just it, it would it would send you the payment data that you, uh, it would send you the Apple Pay payment data, which you would then have to charge on your own server. Um, and a bit later, I I added payments processor support um, for uh, Stripe and Braintree and Braintree. So today you can install these add-ons. Um, so, so I create an add-on system and a CLI that allows you to easily link these native dependencies. Uh, and really what they are is just like a wrapper around uh, Carthage. So it'll download the library and then you can use the React Native payments CLI uh, to then link these uh, frameworks to your project, at which point you'll be able to create um, Apple Pay tokens with Stripe and Braintree. That, that is super cool. And I hate, I keep, I'm hogging up all the questions from Peter, but I have two more and then I'll, yeah. I'll oh let him God. get to a few. But okay, the first one is like Braintree. Like I know I've heard of Braintree. I've never actually used it. So I'd like to know more about like what Braintree is. And then um, the second one I forgot. Right, so well, but if I remember, I'll, 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 I'll come back. Cool. Yeah. So, so Braintree is essentially like Stripe, right? They're a payment processor. And what they'll do is actually it's probably worth taking a step back. Um, so the way that Apple Pay works is it does payment tokenization. Uh, and so what that means is it'll the, the developer never has access to your credit card information or to a user's credit card information. Um, and so to make that work, uh, you actually need to do, you need to have a, um, a specific like Apple merchant certificate on your server that you can use to then decrypt the um, Apple Pay token. And so that adds a bit of a, 
that adds a bit of overhead for developers you know, to have to spin up their own server and set up this uh, decrypting mechanism. And so rather than spin that up on your own, you can use a service like Stripe or Braintree. And so their payment processors will process payments for you. Uh, but in the Apple Pay case, they'll also um, enable you to you know, run a transaction using a Apple Pay payment token. So uh, do you have to use Apple Pay or can you uh, interact with like Braintree and Stripe directly? With React Native Payments? Yeah. Yeah, so React Native Payments is just an interface for Apple Pay and soon Android Pay. Um, and the objective is really to emulate the payment request API, um, which, is, um, which is a way to charge customers with their saved cards, right? And so outside of these two mobile wallets, you, as far as I know, there, there is no way to save a credit card to a device, uh, like to your iPhone or to your Android phone. And so the objective with React Native Payments is simply to provide um, developers with a way to build customers without presenting a, a checkout form. Uh, nice, just to make the checkout um, process smoother and all that. So does the uh, so like stuff like the uh, shipping information is that coming from uh, like the developer server then? Uh, shipping information, as in what the what the user is going to select, or oh yeah, uh, totally. Like um, you know, like your shipping address and your credit card, right? Like, are those things coming? Uh, are, are those like saved? Well, the credit card is coming from the developer. Uh, but what about like shipping address, for example? Is that saved on the developer's end too? So um, when you pop up the Apple Pay uh, dialog, you can select your, like as a user, you can select one of your credit cards. You can also select a shipping address if the developer requests it. Um, and then that, that shipping address, as soon as you select it, even before you accept uh, to pay, uh, there's actually an event that sends a part of that shipping address over to the developer. Uh, so I think it'll give you, it, it'll give the developer the zip code and maybe, um, I think, country, country zip and maybe city and state. Uh, and with that information, the developer can, can make an API call to update the shipping method. Uh, so say you only ship locally in the US and then, uh, you know, you presented this dialogue, I selected my, uh, say, Canadian address, then you can block out like international shipping or shipping altogether. Um, but all this information again comes comes from from Apple Pay, and then once you accept to make the payment, uh, the developer can send that over to the server. They can send it over uh, to Stripe if they need to. Um, so yeah. Wow. Does that That's answer your question? So cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I uh, I've personally, you know, I never really did uh, too much work with just Apple Pay and React Native. So just like understanding how it works is uh is super helpful yeah so i actually have a few um i have a few gifts that i put like in the documentation to help kind of clarify the functionality um and so if you if you're ever interested if you had if you had over to react native payments uh kind of the repo um the first gift should have kind of a, an example that encompasses all of these like shipping methods shipping information uh as well as credit cards oh yeah that looks really nice i'm checking it out now that that actually conveys a lot, you know, it's hard to kind of um, convey that into just kind of describing it, but that, that, that looks really cool. Yeah, so if, if you look at the example, like once once the, the shipping address is changed, look at the bottom, like uh, under movie ticket, shipping is at zero. And then once 
uh, a different shipping method is selected, it'll update the total and a subtotal. So what what are you using for that view that kind of pops up? Is that is that like a native thing that you're kind of using, or is that um, something you actually wrote as far as the animations and like it looks like a little bit of navigation or something is going on there? Right. So I actually get all that for free by just tapping into uh, to Apple Pay. So that dialog is built oh, into nice. Apple. Yeah, it's just a method call, um, and then you get all those animations for free, which is really cool. You get the data for free. Uh, you get the uh, credit card selection, address selection too. If the user didn't have uh, a shipping address, then you would get an input there. They could also select from their address book. Um, so that's uh, wow. pretty straightforward. I'd say it's like the code, I'd say the bulk of the code in this project is probably the payment, uh, payment request polyfill. Uh, the rest of it is just kind of a few methods, uh, a show, hide, and... Um, a uh, a callback handler for when you accept to make the payment or, or cancel out. So this, I guess, brings like a broader question, at least for me in my head, um, about like where payments are headed in the future as far as mobile. Do you feel like that these that Apple Pay and, and Google Pay, um, like that's pretty much going to be the the standard that like everyone's going to go with? It just seems like a much better user experience. But I'm kind of curious, is this kind of like where all payments are headed? I mean, I think so. Um, there's um, there's a stat that shows that, like, as as mobile, especially on the web, like, as, as mobile traffic increases, uh, conversion doesn't follow it, right? Because filling out a form on your phone is just, like, tedious, right? And there's a lot of drop-off. Um, and so on the native side, Apple Pay and Android Pay are, like, great solutions for this. Um, but on the web, we never really had that, right? On the web, it was always like the autofill. Autofill is as close as we got. And so with something like payment requests on the web, um, it's kind of like bringing that experience to parity between mobile and web. And I think it's going to help both of these uh, really take off. Uh, and when I say both of these, I mean web payments and um, mobile wallets. I think the only drawback to uh, using Apple Pay is that Apple takes like 33%, right? It um, can't so be that Apple, so, so with Apple Pay, they actually don't. You're thinking of in-app payments. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so in-app payments are uh, they're a little different. It's like that dialogue that you get that says, "Do you want it?" Like I forget exactly what it looks like, but it's uh, it almost looks like an alert that'll say, you know, this uh, this you know addictive uh, gaming app wants to charge you two bucks for an extra life, mm -hmm. right, or something like that. So yeah. and and. The way they separate the two uh, payment methods, so Apple Pay versus in-app payments, is if you're setting if you're selling a digital good from within uh, from within your app, uh, then you need to pay them that thirty percent um, fee, right? Which is the same fee as uh, when you're selling your app. Um, I'm pretty sure it's thirty; it could be thirty-three. Uh, but for for Apple Pay, you're actually restricted uh, to what you can use Apple Pay for. Um, and so for Apple Pay, it's any physical good or service. And so service would be something like Uber, right? You're not actually, they're not, they're not selling you software. They're selling you an, kind of an offline, an offline service. Uh, same with Airbnb. Um, or if you're buying, you know, a t-shirt from an app or any, any merchandise. So like an app like Lululemon or, or Best Buy could use Apple Pay. Uh, but if you think of something like Netflix, where it's a subscription, uh, 
based on a digital good, right? Just showing you, um, you know, selling you a, a movie subscription, uh, then Netflix can't use uh, something like Apple Pay. Oh, gotcha. Then yeah. Apple Pay will for sure take over the world. And, you know, like Android Pay as well, just because I'm a, like there are no extra fees and the experience is fantastic. Right. Like why why wouldn't somebody want to do it? Yeah, exactly. I think at this point, it's more a question of getting your card supported. Right. Like not all cards are supported uh, by Apple Pay. I don't think they're everywhere in the world either. Like I think they started off in the U.S., but it took it took them like a year or two to get into Canada. Um, oh, wow. So I think. I imagine that like cutting these deals with the banks isn't as straightforward um, as we probably think they are. And that's probably what's taking them. I'm <laughs> <laughs> sure there are going over just percentages. Yeah. Are there any other um, like categories you can add besides card shipping and method? Do you, you know, like, is there anything else like a developer can add to this experience? Yeah. So um, shipping is sort of, uh, if, if, if you're requesting everything, I think they just call it shipping or sorry, contact. Um, so you can request uh, a user's name. So there's an options uh, argument where you can uh, request pair name true, right? If you set it to true, then it'll request a f- first and last name, I think. Another option is phone number, um, email, and the third one is shipping address. Oh, wow, that's super cool. Yeah, so you could, you know, you could sell a user, um, I guess with Uber, right? Like they don't need, technically they, they don't need your phone name or email. Uh, they just need like, they just need you to pay. Let's say you only needed the phone number for some, uh, or like, yes, yeah, so say you only needed the phone number or the email or the, or, or the name for some reason, you could also request that. And the interface changes too. So um, again, in the root, in the readme, if you jump to requesting contact information, I have screenshots for each one of these options. And what they end up looking at, um, or sorry, what they end up looking like. And so if you request a contact name, then the label on the left is just contact. If you request, um, oh, sorry, it'll say contact, but then on the right, it'll say contact name required. Um, and then if it's just phone number, it'll say phone number required. Um, and if it's all three, I think it'll just say, I think it might just say contact required. I'm not sure. So awesome. what got you in, like interested in this stuff? stuff being uh like payments in general well i guess yeah i guess you mentioned you were kind of already working on um like the payment stuff within netflix but i guess in general like the react native stuff and um open source in general yeah so i've always i mean i think i think it dates back to maybe probably seven years ago or like i guess when when the when the original iphone came out so that's like 10 years ago i guess um you know, I was really excited by it, and I was sort of trying to get into um, the mobile game at first. Actually, that must have been the second year, because the first year was all web apps. And I sort of, like, had to decide at one point if I wanted to keep on, you know, if I wanted to kind of grow into JavaScript or uh, Objective-C at the time. And I think it was difficult for me to just kind of pick, uh, you know, pick Objective-C, because it seemed like it was, I mean, at the time, it was it seemed limited to two platforms, Mac OS or um or iOS, and although I really like you know mobile apps and mobile phones, JavaScript just seemed like a like a safer bet. I like that I could push code that would go on, that would reach you know any any device that could run on any browser. And so when React Native came out, 
that was like a really exciting moment for me because I felt like I could use, uh, you know, my, my, my JavaScript chops and like the skills that I had refined over the, over all these years to finally build mobile apps. Uh, and I was really interested in how like the bridge worked and how you could really, um, you know, kept hearing that like, it's not, it's not phone, it's not phone gap. You're using JavaScript to really control native modules. Uh, and so one of the first things that I did was read the docs and then I came across like the native modules API and how you could expose native components and native uh, functionality, um, native APIs. And so I just figured like the best way to kind of take, to learn how React Native worked uh, under the hood was to just start bridging things. Um, and so I think the first thing I bridged was maybe an activity view, uh, kind of like that, that share sheet. Um, and then it seemed pretty straightforward. And then I tried, you know, another one. I, and then um, the next one I did was like Touch ID or Safari View. I forget the exact order. Um, and so I did those for fun. And I, I figured that, that they would be um, functionalities I would need in apps that I would build in the future. Um, and so as I started, you know, building apps in React Native, uh, Safari View was like one of the first things I needed. And I got it for free because I'd already built it. Um, the activity view, the share sheet again, was something I had already built. Um, and so that's sort of how I got into it. Um, and I sort of took a break from React Native. Um, but then as I started work, working on the payment request API, I sort of thought of like this unreleased library that I had, React Native Apple Pay. And I figured that it would be um, it'd be a better library if it was using the payment request API. Uh, because one of the things that I really liked with React Native was that I could use these new like these new web APIs. I could learn a new API that I could use uh, on React Native and also the web. So like the Fetch API, for example, I'd never used the Fetch API before React Native. I'm not sure about you guys. Uh, did you guys ever use it before React Native? Um, I think I'd seen it, but I don't think I'd used it. No, I haven't used it at all. Right, and so like I, I thought it was really cool that I could I could learn this new like web standard. Uh, use it in React Native, but then also use it on the web. And like today, like I wouldn't use anything else to make, uh, you know, to make an HTTP request. Um, and so the way I see React Native payments and the payment request API is like a similar API, right? It's 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 brand new. No one's really heard of it yet. Some people may have, but they haven't really used it. Um, and I just think it's, it's it's a perfect use case for um, for Apple Pay and for Android Pay. And so now you can learn this new API that's going to serve you on the web, but it'll also serve you within React Native. Um, so that's sort of what I was trying to do with this library. Yeah, that's so freaking cool. I definitely see it like on the web just taking over, you know, as soon as people start upgrading and a lot of more of these websites like or like e-commerce websites start picking up on it, making orders is going to be so easy for the consumer. Yeah, man, it's it, it's going to be dangerous. Like you're, you're actually a click away from making a purchase now or two clicks rather but yeah. we've never really had that on the web and i just i think e i think e-commerce is going to explode with this do you happen to know any websites that support the web payments api already um i mean for it not to be available on chrome right now i can't imagine there's a lot of people using it right unless they're doing a polyfill so i actually have a like there's a link that you can hit that's just like a demo website that i put together and it's actually the React Native Payments uh, demo, but running in your browser. Um, oh, so if you, if you want, I can send you that URL. It'll only work on Chrome for Android um, and Canary right now. Uh, so if you have a version of Chrome Canary installed, you can you can definitely check it out. Oh, totally. We'd love to share that too. You know, um, I've, I've been using Lyft a lot lately, and they, and they have Apple Pay. And of course, there's a lot of other 
But um, because I use Lyft so much, I end up using Apple Pay quite a bit. And it's super nice. I mean, it's just, it feels, it feels really good just to use it. I don't know. It's like fun to use. You throw yeah, your fingerprint up there, you know? And the other thing on the web is like these, these forms, like, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have ever been on a website and like autocomplete just didn't work for some reason, right? Like maybe uh, like nine out of 10 websites. Yeah. Right. And so it's just nice not to have to deal with the inputs. And like, it, it's always felt like magic. Like there isn't documentation that tells you, or I, I don't think there is, that tells you exactly how you need to name your inputs uh, or your IDs or names on, on Chrome. I think it just sort of like figures it, figures it out based on the names. Um, and so it's just nice to have like this nice clean interface. It'll be the same across every website. Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think it'll be great for conversion. I think it'll be great for users too. So I have a question about bridging. You kind of mentioned that um, it, you, you started digging into the bridge to like learn more about how React Native kind of like worked under the hood. Um, like how difficult was it for you to kind of start exposing these native, uh, these native features and the, the different native functionality, I guess you would say, for uh, iOS and for Android? And um, like when you started doing that, how much, I guess, experience did you already have? And um, I'm kind of curious what your um, advice would be to people listening that kind of want to get into doing that because I, you know, even though I've been doing React Native for a couple of years, that's still probably the uh, the pain point for me at this point, other than like navigation, I guess you would say. Yeah, sure. So um, I guess before React Native in Objective C, I had only built a um, an Apple Watch app. And to be honest, like I didn't really know what I was doing. I just like knew enough to to get it working. Um, and in terms of Android, I hadn't done any Android at all. Uh, at all. Uh, but Java just sort of feels like to me it feels like TypeScript, right? So like if you're coming from a JavaScript background where um, you know JavaScript was the first language that you learned, then uh, Java shouldn't be too difficult, especially if you're into TypeScript or or flow flow typing. Uh, it does like at times it feels a lot like um, just like type JavaScript, right? Uh, except it'll kind of push you to write classes and like <laughs> inherit classes uh, that inherit other classes. And anyway, but I would say that you know the IDEs are really good. Um, like when the first project I was I was bridging, I was <laughs> I made the mistake of writing Objective C and Vim, and it's just like. It was a terrible thing. It was a terrible idea where, like, I just thought it was so gross. And, like, you know, there are bugs all the time. I'd, I'd, I'd miss, like, a closing bracket or whatever. And then the minute I switched to Xcode for the Objective-C portion, you know, like, it was great. It was, uh, you know, like, the autocomplete really helps you. Like, the documentation is really great. Uh, so you can pretty much Google your way out of it at first. Um, and on the Android, and, like, same goes on the Android side. Uh, I think there's definitely that hurdle uh, before starting where it's like, oh, I'm going to have to learn this new language um, and, you know, I'm not used to it. I, I don't know what I'm doing, but when it really comes down to it, you're essentially mapping, uh, essentially a map from JavaScript to uh, the native language. Right. Uh, and so if you have a, you know, it's, let's call it like a show function um, or a show method on, on your native module side, on the JS side, then you're just going to have, you're going to export, a show method on the Objective-C side. Uh, and say you're passing a string to it, the string will be the first argument on the other side. So once you've done that and you've laid out sort of your um, 
your mapping from JS to Objective C. Then you can kind of determine the functionality that you want and then jump into um, your native language. So I'm not going to say it's easy, but you know, I also started with like modules that were a lot simpler, um, and so they only did like they only had two methods, and then on the Objective C side, like the documentation was very clear. And so I think a good way to get started with, would probably be to implement something that's like already available, uh, like an alert box, right? Uh, I'm sure like most of us can Google our way out of figuring out how to display an alert like in Objective C or Java. And so I would start with something like that just to get like your feet wet. Um, but for the most part, like a lot of people in the community, uh, you know, are open to help. So if, you know, if you end up going on Discord, like React to Flux, React Native, uh, the React Native Flow, uh, sorry, the React Native Channel. Uh, then there's usually people that are um, that are happy to help, and a lot of people have helped me too. So, where do you think Apple Payments is going to go if you had like all the free time in the world? Uh, what are some of the features that you like wish uh, you could make, or wish the community could help you make? Yeah. So, um, where do I see it going? Uh, so, right now, I'm working on Android Pay support. Um, I'm pretty much done. I'm just working on documentation. Um, so I'll probably be releasing that um, in a few weeks. Uh, aside from that, I'd say probably more payment processors. Um, so I set it up. So I set up React Native Payments to have um, kind of a plugin system that I call an add-on system. Um, and so it's pretty trivial for, for someone to add um, a payment processor um, to the project. So say you needed, you know, something like um, authorized nets or global payments or Adyen. These are all companies that do pretty much the same thing as Braintree and Stripe. Uh, and so if they're your, your, your payment processor, um, you know, I'd love to see people kind of contribute these into the project. I'm happy to help and kind of guide people um, if they have any questions. Uh, but I definitely like to see this grow so that um, so someone who, you know, who wants to start a new app can, can use Apple pay or Android pay, uh, regardless of the payment processor. Um, obviously it's not, <laughs> it's not realistic to just, uh, expect myself to kind of write all these, um, add-ons because I don't have the context nor <laughs> the time. Uh, but if someone, you know, if, if someone needs Apple pay or, or Android pay and they have, uh, you know, specific needs for um, a payment processor, I'd love to see them, you know, contribute it or, or reach out. I'd love to help uh, and kind of point them in the right direction. And so, uh, yeah, and I guess, and I guess something else I'd like to see maybe is, I'm sort of trying to figure this out. Um, I was flirting with the idea of creating like a UI polyfill for the payment request API. So I don't know if you guys had a chance to kind of see what it looks like in Chrome or um, any one of these other browsers, but you know, it's like a UI that pops up um, and kind of lets you pick your your payment uh, your payment method address and all that. And so I was thinking of maybe implementing that React Native to kind of open support for other SDKs. So say you wanted to use something like PayPal or Venmo or you know another payment method that doesn't require you to fill out a form. I was thinking of maybe creating this uh, this UI that would allow you to pick your payment method. And so, you know, as a, as a developer, say you wanted to add uh, PayPal support or, um, or, or Venmo, for instance, you could have kind of a, a send money button or a purchase button. When you press that, it would open up 
this payment request, this React Native payments payment requests uh, UI. And then under payment methods, you could have, you could say Venmo and PayPal and Apple Pay or whatever. And then when you press those, it would, uh, it would bridge to that, uh, to that SDK. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. it does. It's so cool. Um, I guess I was going to say, um, you know, other than kind of visiting the documentation, um, I know I, I saw you at the React conference, so the React Native conference in um, Oregon. Forgot the name. Oh, yeah, Chain React. And you gave a nice talk about that there. And then you're going to be in Poland soon, right? Also talking about this stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be at React Native Europe uh, in Poland. You're going to be there too, right? Yeah, heck yeah. I'm looking forward to it. We need to hang out while we're there. Peter, are you, gonna, are you going? No, I think I'm the only one that's not. Uh, next year, definitely. Or this year, we just need to get your ticket and a, and a plane ticket. Yeah, exactly. So I was going to say, if they want to learn more about this stuff, um, you know, I guess, you know, of course, the GitHub repo would be a good place. Mom, you're, I know your talk is on the uh, on YouTube on the Chain React Comp channel, but uh, what, where else should they go to kind of learn about this, or is that really it right there? I mean, those are probably two uh, two best places to learn about uh, the React Native uh, library. But um, I'd say the best resources are probably uh, just like the W three C spec. And I know the, uh, I know Google has uh, has a, a few good blog posts on the payment request API. Right? Uh, like I see this library as essentially being a polyfill for for payment requests. And so actually, if you, if you go to the repo and you scroll all the way to the bottom, I have a resources section. Um, and under payment requests, I have a few like key links. I have one that's just like an introduction and a deep dive, um, as well as uh, the W3C uh, working draft. Um, so those are definitely good resources. Like I kept going back to those as I was writing this library. Uh, and, and I still go back to them today. They're uh, they're great resources. Nice. Okay, cool. I guess one last thing that has to do with this subject, I guess, so you said Chrome is picking this up in a few days or, you know, short, sometime soon. Um, I guess once Chrome picks it up, do you, do you kind of see this being pretty ubiquitous in the future across mobile, um, like web development as well as, as app development? Yeah. Like a year from now, it'll be, it'll be in every major browser. Is the way I see it because uh, the last kind of like the last remaining browser was Safari and they just added it to as an experimental feature um, in their latest like developer release. And so um, I just like it, it's, it's hard for me to see developers not using this, especially um, after after reading about like the, the conversion numbers uh, that Apple's released anyway for, for just Apple Pay. And I think that. Uh, in that in that YouTube video that I mentioned earlier, that that Koch's video, um, he, he talks about a few like increases uh, in conversion, kind of like the numbers uh, that they've seen with uh, the early partners. So, um, yeah, I, I have a hard time seeing this not take off. Like, it, and and, it, and it's just such a better user experience. So, like, if you go to the um, to that demo, the React Native payments demo on the web. Uh, and try it on, on an Android phone or on an Edge uh, or Chrome Canary. Uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to see people not want to use this over uh, a checkout form, right? A checkout form is like the highest amount of friction that you can have on a website. And so this essentially eliminates that. Do you ever think there's going to be like a cross-platform module 
that works for both the web and iOS because of where things are going? Um, that's sort of what I'm trying to do with React Native Payments, right? Um, so in that, in that example that I have, um, that's, that's the exact same code that's running in my iOS demo. Uh, the only difference is uh, the config. It's like the, the, the method data it's called. Uh, and so you can pass it like method data and payment requests is an array of objects and each object is uh, a payment method. And so in that example, I have the web payment method and I also have the React Native Payments Apple Pay uh, payment method config. And so by having both of those on the web, it'll detect what's, uh, what's compatible. And so that would be the first one, the first uh, basic card. It's called the basic card config. And so that's why you're able to use it on the web. And then within your React Native app, it'll, it'll pick up the second config that, um, that's passed there, which is a React Native payments um, Apple Pay config. Uh, and so you get 100% code share between web and iOS at the moment. Uh, and in a few weeks, you'll be able to share that code with Android as well. Dude, that is epic. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty stoked the first time I got it to work. It's almost like I didn't expect it to work. And then <laughs> what it did, I was like, oh, okay, this is way cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for your contributions. I mean, that's a, such a huge part of, um, of building like e-commerce apps and just anything, you know, that needs purchases and just having this there for people is just really awesome. You know? Thanks, man. My pleasure. Um, yeah. If anybody, if, if anyone out there is using it uh, and you have any questions, uh, feel free to get in touch. I always like to hear uh, from people who are actually using this stuff uh, in, in their applications. All right. Well, with that, I think we'll get to the picks. Um, Peter, do you have any picks today? Yeah. So this is a shameless plug. Now that I'm feeling better, better with less anxiety, I started just sort of thinking about things from an open source perspective. Like, what am I working on right now that I could open source in one way, shape or form? And one of those things I open sourced this weekend, uh, just like a simple, simple module called React Native Async Storage. And it's a declarative uh, component for React Native. So, you know, instead of just using uh, Async Storage like a, a function, you can build it right into your component and then just like, it takes an item key, like username, for example, and then like your normal like render function. And then you can tra track like the loading state, the value, and if any error comes up. Um, super simple to use. And it's like really great for situations where you're like loading up an app, right? Where you want to pull some stuff from async storage if you're not using like Redux Persist and uh, do something with it before, you know, rendering the main thing. So it's been pretty convenient for me and figured I might as well open source it nice i'm looking I'm at it right in. now this looks really good yeah it looks dope kind of makes me think of that um that talk that ryan florence gave i think he had, he had like a similar component around like the fetch api like a declarative uh way um to make a gp request yeah i don't oh, think yeah. i've seen that oh it's so cool yeah it's like just different ways to like play around and experiment you know it's nothing like that like radical, you know, just like, ah, oh, let's give it a shot and see what happens with it. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's like the router, right? Like just using components for everything. I like it. Are you uh, using this in your app right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm using it. Uh, I actually just like, I had it like hard coded. Well, obviously not hard coded. It wasn't its own module and I just like switched it over right now. So it's pretty cool. I use it for like an API key. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, no, Fab, do you have any picks? Uh, do I have any picks? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my pick is React Native Europe, uh, which is next week, I think September 6th and 7th or 7th and 8th. Uh, it's in Poland. Um, I'll be speaking about React Native payments. Uh, Nader, you'll be there too, speaking about... Cross-platform and beyond. I'm actually going to be going over um, Flutter. I'm going to be going over Weeks and a bunch of different other ways to, to do stuff like React Native. Awesome. Yeah. I wonder if we're going if we're going one after the other, just like at Chain React. Nice one-two punch. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I know I'm like on the second day towards the end. I know that. Yeah, me too. You should probably... Okay. Schedule. But yeah, that's my pick. All right. Um, I have two picks. One of them is um, a book called Resilience, Hard-Won Wisdom for Living a Better Life by Eric Greetens. Um, and I, I've, I've been in like a book drought. I've probably read about six books in a row that I've just been completely just not happy with, which is unusual because I usually am pretty picky about what books I end up investing my time reading. And I finally found a really good book. It's probably one of my favorite books of all time already. I'm only about halfway done with it. But again, it's called Resilience, Hard-Won Wisdom for Living a Better Life. It's uh, it's like this guy, he's writing these letters to like his friend that came back from war. And he's kind of um, just giving him advice. But in, re- in reality, it's more like um, it's a lot of philosophy um, and a lot of like just good um, just knowledge, I guess you would say. And the way he kind of he, he wrote the book is really, really cool. I would definitely recommend checking that out. Um, my other pick is Flutter. Um, I've been playing around with a bunch of things lately, like um, similar to React Native. Um, and I've never really given Dart a shot. But um, recently, um, I was getting ready for my talk and um, started playing around with Flutter. And I kind of like it. Um, and I really kind of like Dart. And I know that that you know Reason is another one of these like compiled to JS languages with similar syntax. Um, and, and it's cool too. Um, and Dart, you know, I found to be really, really easy to pick up for, for me at least. It reminds me a lot of, a lot of TypeScript. So pretty much if you've been writing JavaScript and TypeScript, you can probably pick up Dart within really a couple of hours. And, um, there's a lot of similarities there between, um, with, between just JavaScript and, um, Dart. But there's also a lot of similarities between Flutter and React. The, uh, the main differences I've noticed are like styling issues. So like, I'm, I'm, I really like the way React Native, Native does its styling. I'm not so fond of the way that uh, Flutter does its styling. But anyway, something to take a look at if you're interested. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of React Native Radio. Um, no foul. Thanks again for coming on and spending the hour with us. Uh, it was a really great show. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of uh, out of this information. Hey, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. I got a lot out of this presentation. Definitely, definitely. I'm ready to get built some and stuff and start charging people money for it. And I'll see you next week uh, in, in React Native EU, Nufal. And um, for everyone listening, we'll see you next week. See y'all.